Welcome to the One Player Podcast, the show on solitaire board games. I'm your host, Albert, and this is episode 225. Avocado. No, 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 not avocado. Um, watermelon. No, no, not watermelon. Um, cantaloupe? Cantaloupe. Cantaloupe. Knew it was something like that. That's right. It's actually named after a song, I think. I am not familiar about that at all. Oh, I'll play a little bit of it here. Cantaloupe Flip Fantasia by Us Three. Really good song, actually. What's that? Yeah. Yeah, this is a, today's episode is about a song called Cantaloupe and about the game about the song. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, so yeah, maybe it has nothing to do with the song, the game. But it is a game. It is a game called Cantaloupe, Part 1, Breaking Into Prison. Although I kind of imagined that the guy on the cover of the game could be from a boy band. He <laughs> could be uh, an old boy band. <laughs> That's the only type of boy band that I know. Well, okay. <laughs> We're both old people, Albert. Yeah. Yeah, back in my day, we didn't have boy bands. Oh. <laughs> That's not true. They've always existed. We're, we're, we're a little rambly. Uh, sorry about that. Well, let's go ahead and get started. Albert, what kind of game is this? Is this even a game? It is a game. It's a video game. It's a point-and-click adventure. You, I know you're a fan of LucasArts video games, right? I'm a huge fan yes. of LucasArts point-and-click adventure games. That's right. Huge fan. And, this is and when I saw this about. come out, I was like, oh, oh, this, this. <laughs> Yep, and if you're not familiar with them, we're talking about famous games like uh, The Secret of Monkey Island or the Leisure Suit, La- Leisure Suit Larry series and, and other games of that ilk. Grim Fandango. There's so Grim many Grim Fandango is the best of that ilk. I agree. That, that, is, that is a fantastic the game. the best game ever. There was another one I played, Loom, that I really liked. Oh, Loom is also really good? Yes. yes. Oh. <laughs> okay, clearly we're both fans of the series, but That's yes. right. Yeah, so, so this is a a board game, a book game that claims to be a click adventure, a point and click adventure like the video games. It's so, supposed, it's supposed okay. to replicate the feeling of a point and click adventure without actually using any digital components. So it's entirely based on a book, similar to one of those escape room type games where everything is written down on a book or an adventure book and you go through the whole book, but it's all done with cards and pages and text that you have to look up and things like that. Uh, a little so tr- decoder thingy, a little red filter mm-hmm. to read the text, right? So there's there's black text and there's all sorts of red gobbledygook in front of it and mix it up so you can't read it when you just look at it unless you really, really force yourself. But if you hold the little decoder, it gets rid of all the gobbledygook and now you can read the text. But it is a once-through adventure. So once you've done it once, you cannot come back again. Mm-mm. Pass it on to a friend. Or, or wait a few years and play it again. Five or six years. <laughs> well, we've chosen the past on to a friend right now. Okay. But... <laughs> Have you ever come back to the the uh, LucasArts games and replayed them later? Only with my kids. Okay. Because I've played them all when I was younger and I played them with family and now I'm having the opportunity to go through them again with my kids. Okay. Were you finding uh, you remembered lots of it or was some of it still a surprise? So, so. Some of it's a little bit of a surprise. But, like, for example, the big twist at the end of Grim Fandango I saw coming. And when it happened, I think it's like, <gasps> I was like, yes. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. I don't remember it at all. If I played it, it'll all be new to me, I'm sure. Yeah. I'm well, then I'm not telling you. Okay. 
Yeah, who knows what I'll get to. So, yeah, so let's go through our, our rubric, right? First Indeed. up is the summary, which I think we covered. It's a point-and-click adventure in a book. The rules. The, I mean, the rules are really light. <laughs> there isn't much of the rules. Um, they're pretty clearly explained. Mm-hmm. The immediately the game is getting into the fun thematic mode that it it's it throws you into the rules as the character and it's showing you how to do stuff and then responding to the character basically. Very Just similar to character. how many point and click games and teach you how to do it. The first opening minutes of the point and click game are like, I need to go over here. Oh look, a book, and the character sort of tells you about the mechanics as you're going through it, very much breaking the fourth wall. Hey, that's okay. You have to for video games and for this type of game. And it goes through the the book doesn't tell you much about the rules. It gives you a whole tutorial. There's a couple pages that go through the opening about how to do things, the prime mechanic of combining two numbers, and it explains the whole thing pretty well. Mm-hmm. Yep, basically, yeah. That's it. And right away it jumps into the the theme. It's a uh, it's very tongue in cheek. Humor. If you're familiar with the LucasArts games, I mean, this, this may as well have been a LucasArts game. It feels like when it plays like one, the jokes are the same. It, it's all there. So, so immediately you're into that theme. And I mean, they make references to the LucasArts games as well. So they it's do, I don't think I caught same. many, but I did see one or two in there. They yeah. do write in the beginning text. Okay, I'll have to read that again. It's been a while. <laughs> My wife has played more than I have. <laughs> so, yeah. So, yeah, the theme... I mean, it's a the theme is an adventure. Uh, you're trying to break into prison and get somebody out because you want to do a heist, and the best guy to do the heist is currently in prison, and you want to get him out. And that's what the story is about. Um, because it's all pictures that are drawn, and you're going through the scenes and finding objects and stuff, I think it's extremely thematic. There's a lot of text that is... The game itself is all flavor text. It's all flavor, right? upset maybe with the tiny bits of things it would be no there's just no mechanics in the text super super thematic mm-hmm. it's all theme really i think that's a fair thing to say it is all theme but and similar to many other puzzle games it's not a mechanics where you're trying to score points or do things yeah it's thematically you have to think well what would work to solve this problem and where maybe have i encountered mm-hmm. something before mm-hmm. yeah there there are no game mechanics that you could game to your advantage and that sort of thing right it's it's just rules of how to go about and do the things but it's all it's all stuff you're figuring out in your head because like you say it's all puzzles puzzles Mm -hmm. and story so yeah so i think that's a theme i don't know that i have anything else to say about it um the only comment i would have about the theme is i very much got the idea of this roguish character who's trying to break into prison but some of the storyline really doesn't get explained until over the course of the story. Theoretically, there's more towards the end of the book, which tells you more about why this character is doing this. Like what is the arc, the overarching idea for the character, why he's going through all of this. It's sort of almost hinted at. It's not very clear. Mm-hmm. And while I understand that the best parts of exposition when you're telling stories is show, not tell, it kind of didn't grab the show part. Now then. It's likely because this is one of a trilogy. There are two more books that are intended to come out. The second one isn't even released. And frankly, I'm not even sure it's clear when it's going to be released. And theoretically, especially book two and the conclusion, we'll get a lot more into why he's doing all this when he does it all. But kind of didn't have it here. Now, I don't think that really hurts the story because 
you know, once you get the general idea, he's coming in to break the guy out of jail. All the rest of it is just fun hanging out with this roguish character who's doing the sort of random stuff you see from Lucas Arts. Mm-hmm, yeah. Re- regarding the availability of book two on BGG, it looks like it should be out any day now, as far as we can tell. Mm. There's post back in February saying it's 95% done, and Amazon in Germany has a release date of October 1st, so maybe it's been released in Germany. It hasn't in the US. I don't think it's been released because it's not on Lookout Games' website. They're the publisher. Right. But yeah, when so it comes out, it'll come out yeah. as with many games right yes. now. It is imminent any year now. Mm-hmm. <laughs> any day now. It's a Duke Nukem Forever all over again. Uh, one one more thing about the the theme it, it is very important and worth pointing out. This is not for kids. It's not a kid friendly book. There there's definitely things in there that you wouldn't want to share with younger kids, like condoms and and whatnot, and sex jokes, and <laughs> yeah, it's a little raunchy sometimes. And language. And language, yeah. There's definitely language concerns. Mm-hmm. And I mean, and, and if, if you're fine with all that, the other part is the fact that you are a criminal. So, I mean, <laughs> there's all sorts of reasons not to share it with kids. Yeah, I'm not quite sure that's as much it. But, yeah, it's definitely <laughs> yeah, it reminds me if you've played the Deponia series, which is another mm-hmm. video game point to click adventure. So that also is not for kids. <laughs> has has similar sort of adult concerns. OK, I think the true was same for Leisure Suit Larry, but that was. Yeah, so tame, if I recall correctly, just because it was the eighties. Yeah, these are more con- these are more current ones, but yes, that's definitely a point. Okay, Com- shall we move on? Components. Uh, there is not a lot to this game. It does it does not come in a box. It comes in a in a book, it's a book format, uh, like a spiral. It's a, a ring binder. Ring binder. Thank you. Yes, the the format it is wide, not tall, so it's like a it's like a legal size page on its side. In portrait mode. That's about the size of it. Not portrait mode. Landscape mode. Landscape mode. Thank you. Yeah. Sorry. Um, it's. Let, let me talk about some of the choices they made because it's in a box. Okay. Or because it's on a box. So everything's in a folder, which means that you flip back through pages. Now, that's great for the pages, but the game does come with a deck of cards. It comes with a couple components that are not cards. Um, so a red, sh- a red um, decoder piece. It comes with some postcards, the rules. Um, and the sheet that you mark off if you've picked up a key yeah. a key item thing. And these are supposed to go in a set of three pockets in the front, as well as one pocket for the oversized things. I was not a fan of that storage method. I don't know <laughs> if you had issues with that. That made it a lot harder to close the book, keep the pages safe. I felt like I had to be careful not to snag things on it. The page didn't lay flat on that side because of it all. And also meant like to get the cards out of those little holders was difficult. So while I enjoyed the art on those pieces and the art looked nice for those additions, I kind of wish they had had a different storage method for having that. Even if it was just an enclosed deck box that was shrink wrapped with it. I would have been fine if it wasn't attached to the book, just have one big deck box that was shrink wrapped with it. Mm-hmm. Having it be attached to the book was really more of a hassle for opening it, getting cards out and for dealing with it while I was playing. I did not have as much trouble as you did at, at first. Definitely the, the, the three pockets for the cards are annoying. There's 60 cards and each pocket holds 20 and it's a little hard to get them out at first. And when you go to close it, the, the little tuck box thing on top doesn't tuck so easily. So it's a bit of a pain. Eventually 
I just got Ziploc bags and I put everything in the big pocket in the bottom and that worked fine. Right. That's what I'm saying. Like just include a different box. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So we also, we, we got one of our plastic deck boxes and just left it next to the book and didn't use those things. Yep. If the pocket were big and like the height of the book, instead of a half height, I could have put everything in and out. That would have been what all I need. And maybe it could have a flap to go over it. Nothing would fall out. I didn't have any concerns with the page line flat. Like you described. I mean, you're you're not writing in the book or doing anything. At the most you're ever doing is holding the decoder up against a page. So I didn't find it a big deal whatsoever, personally. But well, we also play with a possibly a larger group than you, so we uh, wanted to yes. lay flat so everyone on the table could see when it was in the book. I, okay, yeah, and I played it solo. The the what I do have a complaint about is the paper quality. I wish I wish it was I wish it was heavier paper, like cardstock or something, because it's very light, flimsy paper, and it will be easy to tear and mm-hmm. wear. And there's so much flipping back and forth that is a genuine concern, I think. So, mm-hmm. I'm not they, sure if they made it cheaper intending it not to be shared too much. I'm guessing they made it cheaper not not expecting it to sell well, maybe. <laughs> oh, I don't know about that. Not a lot of money into it. I would think that they don't want to make it a very expensive product by having high paper quality when it's really intended for one use. I'm not sure, sure. if the primary use they expect people to do is pass it on. I'm sh- I would assume they expected it because it would happen. Right? I can't imagine they would deliberately make it cheap. I, I Who knows, right? It's all speculation. My speculation is that they, they didn't expect it to, to succeed too much, so they didn't want to invest too much into it. And keeping the Possibly. price low would help with that. Right? Let's talk about but, some of the art, perhaps. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, what did you I, think of the art? Did you like the style? I I did. I like the style. Again, it reminded me of the classic games. Um, mm-hmm. Very similar. Not exactly the same, because the older video games were very pixelated, and this isn't at all, and they're nicer quality drawings it's a cartoon style though uh, colorful agreed. bright like the those classic games though agreed Quite i cool. definitely like the art style i thought that was a very fun and funny art style because it's trying to tell a funny story having that sort of art style really brings home that this is what we're trying mm-hmm. to do this is going to be poop jokes and condom jokes the whole way <laughs> yeah basically that's what it is oh. <laughs> the uh Anything else about the components, really? I didn't have any other problems with components. It, it was all fine. Yeah, I think it was fine. I think the only comment to make about components is that sometimes you have to lay cards on pages to show that you've done something. And those cards are going to be on the page even when you turn the page. So sometimes when you're turning pages, you have to sort of like keep the pages shuffled in there and remember that. But yeah, okay. Yeah, that's also tricky. Uh, what I ended up doing is whenever I flipped the page, I took the card out and put it in my stack of found location cards. And whenever I flipped a new page, I checked to see if I have one. And mm-hmm. there's never that many out that you have to flip through a lot to find out find if you have one or not. You pretty much know which locations have an overlay or not. Mm-hmm. Uh, one more component, though, I'm going to mention this, is the um, the sheet where you keep track of what stuff you've done. The trigger sheet. Mm-hmm. So... Over the course of the game, when you have something which leaves a dynamic effect on the world, the game will tell you to put a mark down on this grid. And the grid is labeled A to A to Z and 1 to 20 or something like that. And when you go through it, you'll make a mark on that. And later points of time will tell you if A5 is marked, go ahead and write that down. Um this sort of mimics the idea that in a regular point and click adventure game, it remembers when something's happened, like you broke a pot, you mm-hmm. know, and it remembers that you broke a pot because it just remembers here. It's up to you to remember it. So it has to create some sort of analog version of doing that. And this trigger sheet is the method they have. 
Um, I will say that if you're writing that all down and using the trigger sheet, I don't think you really have an issue with it. I think that it works fine. Mm-hmm. Is that true for you also, Albert? It, it does work fine. The The caveat being you need to be very careful because if you miss a trigger, it could really complicate the game later on. And you'll be lost and confused. Fortunately, there's a hint section at the back that goes through all the triggers in the order you should be finding them, more or less. Though, though there could be some forking and all that in the storylines. Mm-hmm. But you go, you you go down the list until you find one you have not marked, and then it says, "Go read over here," and I'll give you a couple hints. The first hint is very vague, and then more and more specific until it tells you exactly what and why you you want to do that. Mm-hmm. I think, I think playing in a multiplayer group, it's not such a big deal because one person could read it, another person could say, as soon as they hear the the trigger, they cross it off immediately. Not a problem. Absolutely another person's true. gonna hear something from the deck, they get that card out. Playing solo, I'm reading it. Oh, stop. Let me go write this down. Come back. Keep reading where I was. Oh, get a card. Once in a while, I I miss something. It happened. If you're playing solo, and I assume you are since it's a solo podcast, be extra (laughs) careful when you're going through this. And whenever you find something that happens with a card or a trigger location, reread that little paragraph again. Just to make sure you got it all. One other comment I want to make. I'm throwing this as a bounty out for listeners. I played this game half on our Shabbos, our our day of rest, our Sabbath, and half not. So when we were playing it on our Shabbos, that means that we're not allowed to actually write on the page. So instead, we had to just lay cubes on the grid and be careful not to disturb the cubes. (laughs) Um, This was not the most optimal method of playing it. Um, it certainly would have been better to use some sort of like Lego tower or Lego stack or something to click on there or a printed tray or something. But I haven't come up with a really good method of being able to, you know, keep track of it without actually having to write. Somebody got a bounty. If anybody has any good ideas, please contact me and let me know because I'm assuming they're going to have a similar trigger sheet for the next one. I'd, I'd like to hear <laughs> if there's any good ideas on how maybe we can get that to work. So uh, let me know. Could you do something like stickers or something like that, maybe? Can't use stickers. Can't use stickers. Got to be something non-adhesive. Got to just lay a cube on there or a Lego or something like that. A, a click. Yeah. I mean, could you, could, could you make tab. a grid out of Lego? Yeah, you can make a grid out of Lego. Okay. But then you just have to mark all the Legos or something like that. Uh, yeah, color cool. Oh, well, yeah. I, I When I played, there is it brings that one sheet that goes from nine items across and nine down, I guess. And mm-hmm. their letter number. I think the rows are the rows are numbers, the columns are letters, but whatever. I went and I just made the grid on a sheet of paper and use it so as not to mark up the other one. Well, there is a printable version that the designer has there? made on and BGG. Yeah. Instead of crossing stuff out, I would write the letter code in whenever I came across it. Which, you know, <laughs> one thing six of one, half a dozen of the other thing, right? But yeah. yeah, that worked. That worked for me. That worked well. And I did it. I was glad I had it somewhere separate. Um yeah, com- I think that's probably about everything about the components. I don't know that I have anything else. In terms of gameplay... Let's move on. Okay. The So the, the puzzle, mecha- the way the game works is you go to location, you flip to the page, and there is a picture on the right-hand side and a bunch of unreadable text on the left-hand side. you got to use a decoder to read it. There's going to be all these letters that you can see. They're like letter, number, letter, number. And you're going to combine cards that you have in your inventory with things on the page to get a a four letter, number, letter, number code. You'll try one and then you'll look on the the other page and see if it's listed in there. If it is, then there's some text to read. You get your little decoder and you read it and it it might be a hint or it might be some humor. Um, 
and as you're playing, it's giving you hints. Or the the hints and stuff you get might be, oh, pull out this card. You found such and such an item. You know, you found a bowling ball, so get card seventeen. <laughs> you pull it out, and now you've got a bowling ball. I will say, not a spoiler. Mm-hmm. I will say occasionally, um, if you do something silly or like try and break the game on purpose, it will occasionally give you like, hey, you've done this. Pull out the congratulations cards, and they're spread around the deck. And you flip them over, it's like congratulations, you're an idiot. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. They are very funny. They're the equivalent of like achievements in a Steam game, where it's popped and said you did something that's not part of the game. Good job. Yep, that was dumb. Yep, <laughs> they're really yeah. funny when they come up. And it was fun to find those. It was when I stumbled across the first one. That was quite a treat. And then I started looking for more of them. Yep. <laughs> so, so that, I, I like that a lot, actually. I didn't. I I found most of them. I think I missed four, maybe five. I forgot to check. Again. Oh, we missed a bunch. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so yeah. So that this is the game. It's all about matching the cards with the things in the page to get a code to figure out what to do to get more hints and that sort of thing. You could also match cards against cards. For example, one of the basic items you have is your cell phone, and you could use your cell phone to, to do different things with it. And there's also, what is the other one, the magnifying glass? To yes. look at things, which is basically just a look at, a basic look at function to look at anything. You can use that with Some- just about anything. Similar to like the magnifying glass of the eyeball and again, the point and click games. Mm-hmm, exactly. So, yeah, so there's the mechanic. It's, you know, flip from page to page. It'll tell you when you can go to certain pages. There's a postcard that you get basically at the very beginning of the game. And the postcard has a map. And on the map, there's different locations which correlate to page numbers. And it says you could go to any of these pages once once they're unlocked. Sometimes they're marked with a lock single, symbol saying you can't visit here until you've flipped that trigger already. That is the basic game. Now, there isn't any method of tracking which locations you've unlocked or locked. Um, It wasn't included in the sheet we had, so we actually just added it so that we could keep track of it because that made it a lot easier. Mm -hmm. Because it is is on the trigger page. You could go look at it, but it's a... You know, you got you to gotta go through a grid and find the spot, and that's a bit tedious. It's easier to just some other way track the pages independently. That's true. Yes. There, there aren't too many. I didn't find it too much of a trouble. But again, you had a bigger group when you were playing it, so I could see where that'd be a little... Especially the book is getting passed around once in a while. Mm-hmm. That could be a bit trickier. Um, Yeah, that's the gameplay. There's things I really liked about the gameplay, I think. And probably some things I didn't, but mostly I remember the ones I did. Yeah, for the most part, a lot of the puzzles were intuitive. I figured out you just have to put yourself in the mind of a point-click adventure where it's yep. do things with things. Maybe just do all the things with all the things, and eventually something <sighs> pops out. And I hate when I get to that point. Oh, that's, yeah. that part is frustrating, but you know, that's the nature of the games. Yeah. It sometimes is, and really that highlights the strength of the hint system because as with many of these adventure games or point-and-clicks or puzzles or unlocks, all these things, eventually the designer's going to think of something that just for the life of me, I can't figure out where they're coming from. If you have a good hint system, that really helps. And I do believe this one has a good hint system. It's very easy to keep track of what it is. We actually found for the hint system that whenever we needed to go through it, so where the hint system works is it says, if you've seen trigger x20 check if you've seen trigger this check if you've seen trigger this and when you get to one you haven't seen read that hint so we were going through it because we had to see the hints a number of times we would literally write down on the sheet like here's all the hints we marked it down so that we won't have to go through the whole list every mm-hmm. single time but that was not clever 
Yeah. Otherwise, the hints were very good, very easy to give us just enough hint in a staggered version because, again, they can hide some of it to help give you a hint for where to go. And then we go like, oh, right. And then you would go back and do that. And and I say some of the puzzles are frustrating. Some, I you know, it's like a point and click adventure. Some just don't make any real sense. It's like the sort of thing <laughs> where like you're in a room and you don't know what to do. And, oh, you're supposed to put the book on the chair because then the cat's going to be able to jump on the chair to jump on the table and take a, take the fish away. And once you get to fish and something else totally random happens that you didn't expect. Sometimes. Yeah. And, and th- there's a few of those. And again, that's just the nature of the point and clicks, I guess. I think the one that I found the most frustrating is the kind of equivalent of sort of the pixel hunts, which I never liked in point and clicks. We have to find a certain thing. Some of the times they hid the four digit codes and other things. And you would have to just find them be like, Oh, look, I found a four digit code that will probably (laughs) do a thing. And then you go plug in and you're like, yep, that's what it was. And that feels like the equivalent of a pixel hunt to me. And the problem is, is when I find those, it feels great. When I didn't even know I was supposed to be looking for those, I got frustrated. Yes. So unlike with the unlocks, there's no call out that there's hidden items. There are hidden items. Now that is interesting because I only ever remember one hidden item. Hidden item. So if there were more, I completely missed it and just played without them. <laughs> they did do it a couple times. Really? Yeah. Before so that's that's the gameplay. It's pretty straightforward. So there's things I really like about this, comparing it to a point and click. The especially navigating from location to location in a point and click could be really tedious, right? You, you're in the first location, you click, you walk slowly out of the room. You're in a new location. You click at the end and you watch a guy walk across that room. And then you do this three or four or five times to get from point A to point B. In the book, you know that there's nothing you need to do in the middle. So you just flip from A to B and you're done, right? That's true. And back and forth. And I love that. It was so easy to jump back and forth compared to a point and click game. So let me actually ask mm-hmm. you a very pointed question. Mm-hmm. A bunch pointed. Mm-hmm. Um, this we've compared a lot to the classic point and click adventure games. Barring issues like Shabbos, so we're not allowed to play on the computer or something like this, this makes a great way of getting a fun family activity or a fun solo activity. If you keep Shabbos, it's a very fun thing to do then. But barring that, do you think that you would play this instead of a point classic point and click, which does all the tracking, which does the combinations, which can even give you hints all by itself? which can read things back to you, voice acting, animations, which doesn't have all the cards. Would you play a point and click over this? Or would you play this over a point and click? Or do you feel this holds its own in the space? I have not played a point and click in ages. I would say, though, that my, my gut reaction is that it would hold its place. It's They're both suit their purposes. The The... The computer-based ones are nice because of the sound effects and, and animation and all that. You just couldn't get in a book, right? Not, not and because you don't have to keep track of triggers yourself. You like don't have when to you do talk to someone, it just knows what you've done already. Mm-hmm. But it, but I do enjoy the fact that it's a book and I could take it out of my deck and sit on the deck and play and, and whatnot. And that was, that was nice. And I wouldn't do that with my computer because I'm old-fashioned and don't have a laptop could take, that I could take out to my deck. Actually, I also have a cheap laptop is really what it is. It- I somewhat agree with you. I think it holds its own... Like I wouldn't say it's the greats. Like there are certainly the greats, and we've mentioned a number of them here. I wouldn't put it on rank with the greats, 
but I certainly would say that it holds its own. It's very good. I think that possibly the only difficult thing for me sometimes is keeping track of that trigger system. You're like, if you've done this, skip a paragraph, this, skip a paragraph, this, skip a paragraph, this, ah, finally we're there. Like I've done all the four steps I need to get here. We've done it. Like it's such a minor, it's a minor nitpick. It plays smoothly, plays easily. Like it's not that big a deal to be able to use that trigger system. And this gives you the joy of being able to relax on the couch, take it with you wherever you want. It's not tied to technology. It's not tied to screens. And especially for so many of us who play games and enjoy the ability to distance ourselves from screens, it, it's distance from screens. You know, mm-hmm. it's something all of us can enjoy without having that thing interacting. It's a book. Yeah. There's something very visceral and enjoyable about that fact. Absolutely, yeah. I, I, I really enjoy that tactile feel of the book versus the tactile feel of the mouse. Mm-hmm. Gotta agree with you on that. Yeah, so I, I liked it. Um, it's unfair to compare it against the classic LucasArts games because I am sure the the people making Grim Fandango was a team of seasoned veterans in the in the genre. Where this is the first time this guy's done one of these. Which, by the way, his name because we haven't said who it does is Friedman Fin Design. He made a specific YouTube video on how to pronounce his name. Really? Okay. I'm not even going to try. Friedman Fendison. Okay. Well, I tried, and I'm, I'm, maybe I feel I'm not going to go look at the video on it. You know what? For the longest time, I I thought it was uh, Friedman Freeze that had made this game. The guy <laughs> with the greener. And I really, I just, I don't know. I thought the, the writing that in the name, in his, his last name, was maybe some sort of joke of a German word I didn't know. Because the whole book is, you know, it's very humorous and jokeful. And I just thought it was his game. The art style, it's kind of like his. His games are like that. And then one day I was looking at the through the book and I saw at the back the credits and it has a picture of the designer. It's like, that's not him. He's changed a lot or that's not him. And it finally hit me. It's a totally different person. So I'm I'm kind of embarrassed and I'm sorry that it, that it got him wrong. Um, but yeah, it... He did it along with two other people, an artist and a game designer that, or game artist also that works in point and click adventures. I don't think it's fair though to really say like it can't be compared. Like he he made the comparison. I feel like he invited the he, comparison. Yes, he made the comparison. <laughs> it, it is fair to compare the games. I'm just saying that it, it's you know it's it's hard to hold the two to, to the same standard when they have so much more experience. It's like I could go and paint my own Mona he Lisa, has, he has the and I could of compare it. all of those. I don't yes, know. well, but, but he doesn't have the experience of the story writing. I think that's still a skill you got to get. Like I could, I could see the Mona Lisa all day and paint it, and I could compare them because they're both the Mona Lisa, but they're not going to look the same. They're not going to feel the same. And so I've done this hundreds and hundreds of times. But I definitely think even as reviewers, we have the opportunity to compare them because we can say, like, why would you come play this game when you can play the one you can play Grim Fandango? If it's not better because it's done by someone with less experience, then don't play it. And I think that's a fair fair, fair criticism to make of a game when it's being done by a newbie. Mm-hmm. Having said that, yeah. he did a great job with yes, it. Yes. I'm not saying it's bad. I'm just not saying it's at the same level yet. I'm I sure think he'll... it is at the same really? level. Really? Okay. I, think, I mean, I don't think it's at the same level as Grim Fandango, but then again, I don't think Monkey Island's at the same level as Grim Fandango. Never played I think it. it's maybe at the level of, say, a Siberia. Oh, that's such a good game. Or Great Turtle Island. Great Turtle Island, I think, will be level Okay. One. So, like, these are examples of ones that are, are really good. They're not the greats. They're not the top ten of all time, which Grim Fandango is the top of all time. There's a reason why it's the top of all time. <laughs> it's a good one. 
Mm-hmm. Yep, yep. Okay, well, I, I don't think it's bad at all. I'm very happy with it. Also, you, I mean, you can run out of playing the online game. Sooner or later, you're going to want more. Well, play this one. One benefit, there's a demo that you can print and play all by oh, yourself. Yeah. It is available on BGG. Um, it's a demo you can print and play. It's I think it took us, what was it, four or five pages to print it all off. It's some cards, um, which don't even need to theoretically be printed double-sided, but certainly can be. It's intended to be printed double-sided, but you print those out, um, cut hmm. those apart, print off the map, print off a book, and you're good to go if you want to give a demo for it yourself. Mm-hmm. And assuming you're not using the little filter, the little red filter in that version, it's managing that. Uh, no, it is, there's no little red filter. Correct. Okay. okay. Yeah. I did not try it at all. Um, but I, I went straight to this one when I saw it at the game store, I picked it up. We did try out the demo because we saw the book. We ordered the book. And then had no patience to wait the couple days for the book to come out and put it <laughs> off the demo. So I suppose that's the wrong order to normally do it. One normally tries the demo before ordering the book. Um, but never let it be said that I always do things in the right order. <laughs> well, all right. The Let's talk about the solo gameplay, just moving on with our rubric. Because it is getting late. The So I played solo, Julius played multiplayer. It's I so it'd be hard to compare. You can't play it twice. So I I cannot compare solo against multiplayer, and neither can Julius, because the second time should not be fun for either either method. But I would say it works just fine solo. It's exactly the same. Again, the one caveat which I already mentioned is I think you need to be a little extra careful keeping track of everything because it's one person doing it versus a, a group of people, and so it could get mm-hmm. just a little harder. But you know, just be careful with your bookkeeping; it'll be totally fine. Um, all the puzzles are fun, and they're there and if, if you really get stuck, there's a hint system. And I'm pretty confident that it works just fine solo, works just fine mm-hmm. multiplayer, and I don't think there's going to be any difference between the two. Yeah, just like any of the point-and-click point video games, right? You could play exactly. them with a group, you could play them alone. Same kind of fun. Yeah, it really is a point-and-click game, just like those. It, it feels like it went, it, it's everything but the computer. He calls it out as one. Yeah, and, and he, I think he did an excellent job of recreating that experience. Exactly. Really, really excellent job, yeah. Quite impressive. So there you go. That's that's the game. I liked it. I liked it a lot. I will say this, though. I enjoyed it, yes. I don't know if I'll get the sequels. Hmm, I, don't know if, I don't know if I'm specifically interested in seeing more of the story. I, I, I could go either way. I may get it. I may not. Why not? You're not interested in knowing the end of it? You didn't enjoy enough to continue? The story itself, eh, it was fine. Um... I enjoyed the game mechanics and I enjoyed playing through it, but hmm. you know, I'll, I'm more likely to move on to a different game next time, just because time is limited for me. I expect we'll get it because you know it's again. My whole family has enjoyed all of these point-to-click adventure games, and having one that we can do in mm-hmm. Shabbos was a lot of fun. Yeah, so I expect we will. That is a nice, nice bonus. Yeah, I say I won't get it. Who knows? If I see it in my game store, I say, "Oh, pick it up, grab it." Walk up before I realize what I did. It's like, oh, look at that. Or maybe I I'll just it. pass my copy on to you <laughs> once I There you go. Don't care. Uh, so there we go. So that's I think that's the show, right? Uh, we like I the think game. That's about it. It's a great game. Check it out. And it was relatively cheap. I think it was about thirty dollars. I don't remember for sure. Twenty something maybe. So it's quite affordable. Alrighty. Well, I think with that, that's it for tonight. I'm ready. Bye, all. 
Thanks for listening. We love feedback, so we love hearing from you. You can reach me at Julius at OnePlayerPodcast.com or JLBird on BGG. And Albert can be reached at Albert at OnePlayerPodcast.com or Fractaloon on BGG. Our website is OnePlayerPodcast.com with the number one, and we're also on Twitter at OnePlayerPodcast. The intro music is copyright Angus, can be found at Gemendo.com. The transition music is copyright by Dan Elduce Pancaldi, whose page is at DanPancaldi.com. The One Player Podcast is protected under a Creative Commons share-like license. Thanks for listening.